0: net podcast network happy holidays everyone and we're indeed having a cheery one at one of us.net because of our brand new beer sponsor everyone say hello to circle brewing you can visit them at circlebrewing.com or come to their tap room in austin texas at 2340 west breaker lane suite b but these are a quality craft beers all the way quite a few of their beers are available to buy at your local quality beer retailer in the can or the bottle my personal fave is the blur their hefeweizen that I've been regularly quoted as saying is the finest hefe made in America. Or their delicious ladybird IPA. But visit the taproom for seasonal treats that will definitely delight your taste buds. Now that's what the Ghost of Christmas present showed us. The Ghost of Christmas future has a more dismal outlook. But it depends on you to keep the apocalyptic future where oneofus.net no longer exists from ever happening. We depend on subscribers to keep the site running. We literally cannot put out our shows without you. And that ghoulish specter is even now pointing down at the gravestone with our name on it. Please think about becoming a subscriber, get lots of bonus content, and keep one of us from joining the darkest timeline. of doom it's our ghost episode part two once again wow aaron jeffers you knocked out of the park with this very john carpenter-esque new theme you did Love for it. us oh my god he's so great he's been doing so many themes for us for so long and that's just good stuff but uh for the second part of the ghost episode well if you didn't watch the first or watch oh <laughs> i wish it was watch i just don't have that kind of budget uh if you didn't listen to the first half of it we covered the movies uh the Legend of Hell House from 1973, The Frighteners from 1996, and The Devil's Backbone from 2001. But before we go on, let me say who's here. Once again, I am Chris.
1: Patience.
0: Alan. And Nicholas. And we are going to talk a, a fan question. First, the second fan question we had here from Michael Buck, who says, okay, this is not thematic with the the the." the, the Theme of the episode with Ghosts is not really a ghost question, but if you were given free reign to erase any previous horror franchise sequels to make a new story like the recent Halloween did, which would it be and why? My choice would be to erase everything in Nightmare on Elm Street after three and do a real sequel with the Dream Warriors at their current ages. I, I agree with him, except, and I really enjoy three. But it's so campy too. I would erase everything after one. I would just say, We're gonna do a sequel that takes place where none of the other ones happened and we deal with sort of like it's years later and Nancy is dealing with the psychological fallout mm-hmm. of all of that and and like questioning whether
2: or not any of it even really happened. I, I love that. Imagine Nancy's son or daughter are starting to have nightmares. And like that's a really this alone, well, that's really cool.
1: I feel like that's oh they m- might have gone that direction after New Nightmare. I was just
2: gonna say New
3: Nightmare is almost it's kind the of bad yeah,
1: but I mean so I agree with Michael, like Dream Warriors Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 is literally my favorite one.
0: You agree with Michael?
1: I Well, with Michael Bach. Oh, Michael the Buck, guy sorry. Who sorry. asked our yeah. question. Sorry. I agree with him 100%. Like, Dream Warriors is fantastic. And then the next one was, like, the Dream Master, which kind of not went. Not fantastic. Not fantastic. So I feel like one and two are, I mean, one's obviously classic. Two is good. Dream Warriors is probably my favorite. So I would definitely, I agree with him 100%. I mean, like I would keep three Dream Wars is three.
0: super fun but it's not terribly scary right the first one film is it so, is
1: it's definitely campy the first film
0: is so genuinely scary that I want I wish I they could just, find a way I to like
1: completely disagree with you I know you guys talked about this before that you were talking about how Nightmare on Elm Street was genuinely scary for you I never once felt scared When he's
2: dragging that body through the high school, you don't think that's a little scary? Oh Oh my god, the whole dream dream
0: sequence where she falls asleep in class and the person in front of the class who's talking goes into this whisper thing. Oh, it's giving me the
3: chills just thinking about it. such a
1: not scary monster ever. If
3: he was ever scary, though, it was in the first one. I think, yeah, like every true. step that's past true. that, he got a little bit easier, a, yeah, yeah, a little bit
1: a little bit. I
0: mean, the second film, which I don't think is a good film, but is worthy of exploration because I mean, like it definitely is this like allegory for the director dealing with a lot of his own issues about being gay. <laughs> like, there's no
2: question, iconic gay film. Yeah,
0: iconic yeah. gay film. No question that you have to revisit on that level and look at it on that level and go, "There's some interesting stuff happening in this film based on what the subtext is." But it's not a really great film. It's certainly not scary. It's interesting. It does have one of my favorite Freddy Krueger quotes in it, though—the whole "You are all my children."
1: (laughs) To actually answer Michael Buck's question, though, I would say that probably the Saw franchise is the one that I would want to do over Um, because the first one is such like a bottle episode, and then they go way too far. By the time you get to Jigsaw, which is what seven.
4: Yeah, um, I
1: think so. it's just—it's far too much, and I liked the bottle episode of Saw One. I liked Saw 2, but once you get past Saw 2, it just it gets way, it's it's too much and they need to like take it down a little bit and I think it would have been a much better franchise.
0: Leprechaun Except a Risk. <laughs> any of them ever having happened yeah, at right. all. Oh, <laughs> you, you know what I'm going to write for
1: Leprechaun in the ghetto. <laughs> Lepre- oh, sorry, in the hood. In the, sorry. Ghetto. in the ghetto.
2: It's I literally just thought of it right now and I can't be more proud. It's fucking tremors. Man. Oh Dude, I love the first Tremors. Imagine Kevin Bacon now. Is Fred Ward alive? Yes. Yeah. Thank God. He's and still in all the Tremors. Give, yeah, give me... Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Erase all those DTV yeah. Tremors movies. Give me a straight up Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward reunion. They've split up. They're back, like... He has to That's go back in time for something. And, or maybe they're in a different town. Something's happening and they're both called to this action. But imagine, like, this Kevin Bacon now, Fred Ward now... <laughs> God, that movie, that was so good. Get Reba in there. So yeah, sh- I was going oh, to say, you get a, a little Reba. I think that's a great idea.
0: You say that, but that made me immediately go, yeah, sure, that's fine and all, but I'd rather see Remo Williams II The Adventure Continues. <laughs> <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> as long as we're talking about Fred Ward. I'd love to see that movie. All right, well, let's get into our actual uh, topics here, the ghost movies. And we are going to start off with a movie that came out the same year as The Devil's Backbone, 2001, which was also by a Spanish director, Alejandro Amenabar, who, by the way, I'm a big fan of his whole output of films. We've right. previously talked about one of his other films on deliberations of Doom the... Uh, uh, uh Good Lord, which one was the heavy metal guys in Spain who were like dealing with the the Antichrist? Um
1: Oh shit. Was it Witching and Burning?
0: No, no, not Witching and Bitching is what witching you think, and yeah, bitching but is what I, was I don't thinking. think we, we we did talk about that one. No, no, no. God damn, what the hell is the name of it? It's oh driving gosh. me crazy. I have to actually hit the Wikipedia just oh to go to it. Um
1: I blinked right now. Uh,
0: it's uh, Regression? Regression. No, actually, no. I'm sorry, that's not him. I was thinking of a different guy, but he did do uh, "Abre los Ojos," which is a incredibly affecting Spanish sort of sci-fi horror film that that is just well, was gorgeous remade, and amazing. Like five years later remade Vanilla, Vanilla, Sky. "Vanilla Sky." Yeah. 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 No, I was, was thinking. Was of, I was mixing him up with another guy, and "Vanilla Sky" is terrible. The original "Abre los Ojos" like
3: is good, word for word, yeah. almost shot for shot, the same thing. It's Duh. still not the same.
0: It's the director's fault. Yeah. Quite frankly, where it's yeah. like you don't get what made this film work <laughs> in the first time around, um, but. I also really big fan of his film uh, Agora with Rachel Weisz, which I think is the ultimate uh, atheist film. It, it's like this very pro sort of like Library of Alexandria atheist argument film that, that's, that's a, really great.
2: That's exciting to hear because I was like not familiar with this director. Before. I, I've seen this movie before, but doing research, I was looking at it and I saw that movie and I looked instantly. Um intriguing. I have seen it's the Sea Inside and Open Your Eyes. See
0: Inside's great. Um yeah, yeah
2: I've seen those, but I didn't I didn't connect that it was all the same director. Like which makes sense that I've seen this movie.
0: But this movie, the others, it was him working with Hollywood and although it was certainly the more sizable hit Over the Devil's Backbone, which got very limited release. This got very wide release, partially because it had a star to the level of Nicole Kidman uh, leading here, following immediately following Moulin Rouge, which was a massive like success in, in theaters. And even she was like she. She said this is the most difficult film she's ever made because she came off this film that was all about joy and nebulia, like and like bigger than life, and coming to this film that was all about these dark emotions and playing this very this character who's very like restrained and and. and is very deeply haunted by her own personal demons. She said it was incredibly difficult to the point that she almost left the film in the middle of filming because she was like, I don't think I can do this. Which is shocking because when you watch this, holy shit, is she amazing in it. She's incredible in it. This That's is uh, easily the best Nicole Kidman performance I've ever seen, I
3: think, in any movie. And she's been in a lot of good movies and done really great performances, but this is like really up there, my top tier of i'm photos. absolutely
1: astonished i thought she was terrible in this movie. really
3: Blimey. yeah
1: i really think i actually have it in my notes like she's awful in this wow. I, I don't i see thought that she all. was so like i mean i understand the whole idea of like this victorian sensibility and you know being haunted and blah 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 and being respectful but like she's so like Brick, like she's like Dakota Johnson in in this film. Like I like,
2: I like Dakota, Dakota Johnson. Johnson.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I
2: quit. Well, I mean, her character is a true Bible asshole if there ever was. Well, like, I,
1: and I understand that. I I, mean, I think she delivers her lines perfectly well, but I just feel like she is just such a a husk in this film like she has no charisma she has no and, I, and I'm and i not saying that that's not what she's supposed to be portraying like that's the opposite of what she's supposed to be portraying but just give me some believability I weird, thought she was terrible
0: in a weird sort of way she's playing a sympathetic villain uh, yeah, she honestly is the villain of the movie. Yeah, and in a movie that isn't drawing lines very clearly like right. that, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Alan, you even uh, wait. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one of you guys have not Alan's described. The oh, plot. I haven't done it. Um, All right.
2: So yeah, so this story is it's set up like almost like a very classic ghost story. It's um, back in the day. What's the century? I'm not sure. It's like post World War. No, II, it's 1945. 1945. Yeah, okay. I
1: mean, it's it's definitely World War Two.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Post that. Um, it's a mother and her two children um, in a house. Her husband has gone to the war, presumably died. The children don't know that. She's kind of keeping that from them. Three servants show up after other servants leave abruptly. There, um, She has very strict rules in the house. The children have a severe allergy to sunlight, which I did look up, and it is it's a, a real thing. thing. They um, say
0: at any given time, 1,000 people
2: in the entire world. It's very so rare. It's so um, super rare. The but, um, so like, there are very strict rules to the house. curtains must be drawn at all times. Doors must be locked behind one each other because there's no sunlight goes in. She's a real, like I said before, Bible asshole about everything. Um, very short leash on the kids. Voy- very uh, short leash on the servants that come to work for her. Um, and as the servants show up, there's um, one of the girls is seeing an imaginary friend. There's like some noises in the houses. Classic haunting tale. Things go from there. Um, things aren't quite what they seem, but the movie slowly reveals that to you. Some ways more subtle than others, but overall I think it's a pretty it's a they hold the mystery pretty close to the chest, I think, throughout. I remember first time seeing it being shocked by the fact that Nicole came in on these kids are actually the ghost yeah. in it's the a- story and they're having essentially a reverse haunting where people are moving into this home and they're kind of hearing them live in this house and being haunted by the living.
0: It's a variation on The Sixth Sense, which was the big surprise, like the, oh, the, the main character is the one who's the ghost, but it, it's doing it through this Victorian backdrop in a way that so throws you off that, I didn't see it coming. And I was like, the kind of guy watching these movies I thought I totally would be. But it really takes you off guard when it finally happens. For sure. You're and like, in,
2: in my head, like, I kind of lumped this and The Sixth Sense together. They're a year, two years apart or yeah, so. Um, very and nice. like, when I think about them, they have a very similar twist in them. And they're both like, oh, these are the ghosts. But like, I prefer this movie to The Sixth Sense, I think. Okay. I think it's a very, like, I love the idea of, like, a haunting story or a ghost story from the perspective of the ghost. And how that might be terrifying for them as well. <laughs> like, you know, they're living their lives. They don't quite, even if they don't know their ghosts, they still have, even if they know their ghosts, if you think about it, they're living their lives <laughs> the best they can. And, like, you living in their house is kind of an interruption. And it's, like, freaking them out. And the anxiety of that, I think it's an interesting take to see it from that perspective.
0: Well, The Sixth Sense has the take of which, like, from Bruce Willis's perspective, almost everything is filtered through the lens of his his relationship with this child who can see ghosts here. It is not about a relationship between the living and the dead at, in that sense, we're seeing things entirely from the viewpoint of the dead who have no idea that they're dead at all. They just think they're going about their lives and their house is being haunted, not realizing that like from a ghost perspective, like yeah, their awareness of humans is just as ephemeral as humans awareness of ghosts.
1: Yeah. Is. It's just out of context.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and to them is super, creepy and fucked up, and it's a great reveal with a, a, that. I will say this movie, more so than The Sixth Sense for me, is hurt by the fact that you know going in ahead of time what, this, what that reveal is. I don't think it's as good the second time. It's a beautifully shot film. It's a beautifully acted film. The Sixth Sense is... Has so many gotcha scenes that are like, oh my god, that was so great! Like, hey, let me show you where my dad keeps his gun. You know, there's so many great yeah, moments in there. Chills like this doesn't get me until the scene where they finally confront what's happening when they we full on see the seance happening in the house that with the old late blind lady that scene creeps me the fuck yeah. out. And the old blind lady in the
2: little dress playing with the doll still like, scares me. Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's actually, be good. That's one of my problems with the movie. I love
3: this movie. Right, This is one of my favorite ghost stories of all time. It's atmospheric. It's got beautiful like sound design. Like The sound design above everything is just amazing. Watch yeah. it loud if you're going to watch it. You it's it's going to be really quiet. Yeah. And when it hits you, it's going to scare the shit out of you. But the old lady in the dress thing, though, it was a totally scary scene. Also, doesn't make a bit of sense. It's well, like one oh. of the dialogues. It's like, and this medium possessed
0: the dead well, dog. Well, I, I disagree. I, I think that was like like so many things in this film, where like they're watching things through a filter of sort of like how they're processing information to make them think they're still alive to deal with things on a real level. And this was her encountering. The old lady channeling the daughter in presumably another seance. And so for from her viewpoint she saw things like they were. But I think one of one of the like actual living people there that were like captain the seance said that
3: the Lady possessed Well, they say the kids, they, No, they right? say
2: that the little girl possessed this old woman. Oh, right. So, like, no, through that okay. seance... Like, So, you imagine Correct. imagine Correct. a classic <laughs> ghost story. They're at a table, and then the little girl starts speaking through the old lady. Uh, and um, it goes both directions. So, in the other direction, the mother is seeing the old lady's face on mm-hmm. her little girl that on makes the ghost. So, sense. That so makes it's... That it's, subtle distinction. Yes, yeah, so it, it is a subtle distinction, but it's a really cool one. It's yeah, an idea they, that I don't know if I've ever seen it in any other movie, like, like, ever. Like, the idea of, like... Ghosts living their lives and being haunted by the living, like I said earlier. Uh, Beetlejuice.
1: <laughs>
2: Fair enough. That's true. Got to give up to that. Yeah, and and that's another great example. Um, but yeah, it's like um played the way it is in this movie is just it's really effective, and I really really loved it. Yeah. One of the things that I loved about this movie,
3: especially this is maybe my fourth or fifth watching of it, but at the end, uh, the, the mantra from Nicole Kidman that this is our house and so we're not going to leave here. Yeah. Sort of hauntingly tells you that she's not learned any of the lessons no.
1: that she
2: should have learned.
1: She's a stubborn old bitch. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I love
2: the list. Of the movie's like, all right, we're ghosts. We're haunting this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, I love that. That's like where they could get to. That's
1: actually it. kind of my favorite part of the movie. Is that in sequence where her, where she finally gives in and she understands where <clears throat> you know what happened to her and her kids and her husband as well, who is. Obviously. christopher Eccleston,
0: doctor who just just
1: you know he's like oh hey let's have one last bone and bye see you later i gotta go haunt whatever
0: well presumably move on
1: yeah. like, to well, I, the other
0: side he's, he's capable of moving on she is not
1: yeah because of the horrible thing that she did yeah. but i just love that that this is my favorite part of the movie was when they just like the the servants are like okay we're going to lay down the law right now at the end and this is what's going to happen and you know we're going to haunt this house and people are going to come and you're just going to have to fucking deal with it and your kids aren't hyper, you know, photosensitive anymore and she's just like okay like she's finally <laughs> kind of put in her place a little bit and stop being such a B-I-T-C-H. yeah i do like it when she's
2: like i'm no wiser than you yeah she said to her daughter it's like, a, a great moment she really falls
1: from grace yeah. a little bit because she starts off as I mean, she's a giant cunt in the beginning of this movie i mean
0: appropriate to the period probably but
1: i, don't, um, I mean i well, guess I, I don't I totally know think she is
3: a giant cunt in the beginning of this movie yeah. and i think she reverts right back to type after having been proven wrong after being proven yeah. that her entire belief system is absolutely wrong she still reverts right back. Yeah, she just no. reframes it. Yeah, but says the same way. She's not it's so reframed, what, but yeah. No,
1: no wonder her husband like <laughs> went off to World War Two. Uh, oh, well, that I mean, that's really pretty bad. bad. Yeah, that sounded misogynist. <laughs> the, I, I,
0: I think that is a great moment in the film, though, where she's like, like when Eccleston shows back up, and and she's like you left me you because it you didn't want to be with me. And I think it's a deeply emotional moment yeah. revealing moment for her character and how abandoned she feels and partially why she is the person that she is. Like she is alone except for her belief in this thing. That's all she has to hold on to. Um, and the movie is kind of about like on some level, like, being able to contextualize new information and move on. Right. Um, I, I do want to say Fiona Flanagan, who plays the sort of leader of the three ghosts that come in as the servants, is one of those actresses who always plays super creepy old ladies, yeah. And she's, but not like di- disfigured ones. She's just so good at it. I still remember when she came in, I think the fourth season or fifth season of Lost, as like a major character in there who's like oh my god you're so good she I'm just so has a such impressed. a
1: commanding presence yeah. uh, uh, and um, I, you know honestly I feel like I wasn't I really did like this movie the first time I saw it I saw it in the theater when it came out in One. Uh, 2001 2001 um and I did pull the whole like oh they're dead like twenty minutes into the movie and pissed everyone off because I was <laughs> I, did not I guess was it. such a jerk back then
0: I did not guess I, it
1: I, I yeah I guessed it but um it had I don't such a
0: Victorian horror movie sense I thought they were playing it more straight the I whole time really you know?
1: okay yeah. I just thought I wasn't nearly I mean this is probably the third time I've seen it. And I just don't think I was quite as impressed this time around as Mm -hmm. I have been previously.
2: That's interesting, because, like, I was, I saw, I watched The Sixth Sense this past October, um, and then I just watched this now, and I think with those two, I almost prefer this movie on repeat viewings than The Sixth Sense. Yeah. I agree. Um, Because it is fun, like, there's the element of whenever they're being frightened, Because you could totally flip the script and imagine what the ghost story on the other end of this movie is. Yeah,
1: that's true. And and
2: imagine like what it's like for them when the piano keeps shutting.
1: That's true. For her,
2: the piano keeps opening, and then the door keeps like shutting for them, but the door keeps opening for her. And like, it's really fun to watch it in this like a reverse haunting.
1: That's a good point. And
2: uh, so like I found it like, and this is the second time I've seen it. I saw it in theaters. I haven't watched it since. Um, I remember enjoying it. Um, but again, it was right at the sixth sense. It was part of the string like. It's probably greenlit because of the success. It's like, oh yeah, like
0: no, it was. A, I mean, this, like you said, came out the same year. No, two
2: years. Oh, two was it two, two years? years? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, like, I feel like I feel that. like it's yeah. one of those things that it's probably the director or the writer had it for a while, and because of the success of these other things, it was like, yes, we'll capitalize on that. That movie we bought a while ago, we'll make it now. Um, but like, it gets lumped in that era of horror. But like, it really stands up like outside of that, and it's kind of I feel like kind of been forgotten. Sixth Sense is the one that sticks out from that, like... Yeah. Partially because
0: M. Night has had such a more uh, noticeable career, and not necessarily successful. Ups
2: and downs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's on an upswing right now. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely a more flashy career. Um, I
1: think one of my favorite parts about the movie is the atmosphere. If I want to really talk about one of the amazing things that the director does or the, you know, the the DOP, right, is that you can't really tell when it's day or night. Inside the house, and that really fucks with your head. And then when she does go outside, there's just that
0: that whole fog, fog, thing is fun, yeah.
1: and and so you're just like, okay, so is it day? Is it night? Like the curtains are always closed, or when they're open, it's foggy, and it, it just really throws off your like whole perception of what's going on in the movie. And I think that adds to the whole environment of spookiness, uh, like you said, Agreed. like you don't know, you know, when when. The piano closes, it's open on the other side. Or the door closes, it's open on the other side. And it really adds that whole, you know, atmospheric presence. Of, one of,
3: oh, sorry. One no, no it's done. One of the interesting reversals about director of photography and cinematography stuff is that uh, all the, the closed-in room scenes, they're lit very warmly. It feels mm-hmm. comforting. It feels mm-hmm. safe. And sunlight comes in super blue every time, which feels like challenging. Like and, fluorescent. And right. And and that's kind of how it works in real life, but also, like, this is a very specific metaphor to both the children's photosensitivity, sunlight's dangerous, and also to the resistance of, you know, looking outside of this cloistered little mm-hmm. self area.
0: Uh, one moment I really like in this film is where the first time you really, you thoroughly understand that the servants have a secret... Which is where they're like, cover up a grave with leaves. Mm -hmm. And when you don't realize, unlike patients, that they're they're already ghosts, you're like, whoa, that's like a dark turn in the movie where you're like, whoa, the servants are hiding something really fucked up from the family. Yeah, well, yes, but you don't know that at the time. I <laughs> know <laughs> yeah, some of you people are going to come up with on patient side on but, this and comment yeah, be like, you know, "Yeah, like, I saw it." But whatever it
2: is, anybody even know it? The fact that it's something that's sinister, like seemingly sinister, happening is a very effective moment in a horror movie. Yeah, where like there's a part of this movie where you like, don't really know where that next sinister level or like where the twist is going to come or what's happening, and that's an interesting place for it to come from. You know, it's 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 a well constructed, crafted script and movie it's it's really, it really good is. and there's actually like now
3: that i'm thinking this through this is just occurring to me right now but there's a lot of symmetry going on so we've got the three ghost servants and the three family members mm-hmm. and each of them play off each other really well right so like the the woman ghost servant is sort of the speaker and she just controls everything and she knows what's going on we've got a mute and then the fella is just like oh hi you know <laughs> 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 and, and then you've got the the mom and the two kids, which are all very distinct, very realistic things, but they all play off of each other. So we've got the controlling mom, the rebellious daughter, and the timid son.
0: And they all... So it's like... They're mirrored, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, we're gonna move on to our next film, which I fought against us again
4: Yes!
0: <laughs> but, but I will firmly acknowledge that the opening scene in this film is one of the Amazing. greatest... Like death scenes in the history of horror movies, it's just the rest of the movie is garbage. We're talking about <laughs> 2002's Ghost Ship, which Patience was like, "Oh, we are not not." I talking am about so ghost doing
1: ship. my happy dance right now. Like, <laughs> oh yeah! All right. Fans
0: of new metal, you
1: <laughs> get ready. <rid of> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, uh, Patience, now it is on to you to describe the plot of such a ghost
1: ship. A 2002 <laughs> masterpiece. Um, uh, so, anyway, basically, uh, what we have here is that. I um, can't believe we're talking about that. Oh, shut your. We've talked about worst. Yeah, we have. Worst. I
0: know. I was guilty of some of those decisions. Yeah, I'm
1: pretty sure you were. That's true. Um. <coughs> I won't bring any of them up right now. Slow party master partier too, uh, <laughs> which I
0: will rewatch many more times in Ghost Ship. Right Slow
1: party one. master partier too. Um, so Ghost Ship uh, starts off with there's like it's in the 60s. Um, we're an Italian, uh, you know, beautiful cruise vessel, not unlike what you would think of as like the Titanic, but the
0: Antonia Graza.
1: Yes, the Antonia Graza, which Grasa. is sort of a
0: paraphrase of the actual Ghost Ship that exists. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's true, right? Yeah. And so um, the opening scene starts off with the entire, uh, it's New Year's Eve, I, I think, okay. and and the entire, like, community of these people that are, you know, on the ship get eviscerated by... Bisected. Um, yeah, <laughs> in multiple ways by this uh, wire or cable of some sort. And then it flashes forward and we have this uh, like reclamation crew headed off by Gabriel Byrne, uh, Phil Guzman's good friend, Gabriel Byrne. Oh, are they
2: friends? They yeah. Oh know. no, they've always Has been Has he not really mentioned that before? Oh
1: no, he's mentioned it multiple times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Julianna Margulies, uh, Carl Urban, who I didn't even realize was Carl in this Urban's movie until yeah, like, I rewatched thing. it yeah. last night. I was yeah. like, motherfucking Carl Urban, um, amongst others. And so,
0: uh, uh Ron Eldred, who, uh, uh, Julianne Margulies Mar- was uh, deeply involved with it. I did time not know that, actually. Film.
1: So there's some really great characters. And so they get approached um, by uh, Desmond Harrington, played by Jack, or Jack Ferryman, played by Desmond Harrington, who is like, hey, I found the ship would you guys be interested? It's worth a lot of money. And they're like, fuck yeah, we are. Yeah,
0: they're like a tugboat crew that basically find and and bring up like the wreck of the Titanic and shit like that. Well, for like a a split
2: second, they're just like, I don't know. And then right after that, they're just like, fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. They're a a salvage crew.
1: So they go to the ship and uh, hijinks ensue. It's haunted, obviously, because all of these people fucking died and then we come to find out that uh ferryman may not have been who he presented himself as yeah
0: he's like ferryman oh you mean like Sharon yeah, the ferryman <laughs> the soul collector like I, I that's one of the issues i have with this film because i think desmond Harrington, who i've liked in other things is is not particularly great in this yeah. in that role. I don't think he does with this role what could have been done with it. He Every opportunity to be creepy, he defaults to, I forgot that now I'm playing a demon. <laughs> yeah, and, he's just like yeah. bouncing. Yeah, You're just like, place. so are you a demon or not? I'm like, <laughs> I'm very unclear on that. It's like, how can you just lie to him and then he's like, oh, I guess I believe you. And I'm I will like, say, but isn't this like the evil bad guy that it- and, see through all of this exactly like he and he seems like like oh say I guess he's immortal but he's not at the same time it's like uh, are you no
1: I think he's like, supposed to be immortal
0: yeah no I mean it's like you can physically it's take him down wishy-washy. but like yeah. it's very wishy-washy about its rules and I for one am okay. very disappointed that Carl Urban got killed off screen largely I'm just like <gasps> come is. on That's like because I fucking like he oh my god a it's Carl Urban and I think this
1: might have been like one of his first movies yeah.
0: to be I, I will say one of the strongest points here is. Young Emily Browning, playing the 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 only character who did not die in the initial salvo uh, of the of the ship's deaths, who is like the which was a late decision in the script actually to turn her into a sympathetic ghost that's trying to help the characters, but she is. Terrific, And there's something about her as a, a, a young girl that's just like, you can't take your eyes off her. She's just like, she's kind of mesmerizing, has such a
2: unique look to her. It's the one element of like almost a like classic ghost story that exists in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the little ghost, like the helpful ghost, like, this place is fucked up, leave, like, like character. But it's like, it's the one part that feels like at home in the story they're trying to tell.
1: Because she was the only one that wasn't greedy every other ghost or every other person that participated in this whole thing was greedy in some way because like all the other ghosts were like ones that ferryman had managed to turn to try and like because they were greedy about the gold bars and so like the captain that ends up like getting gabriel burn to start drinking i mean these were all people that were kind of you know, became evil before they were killed because a lot of the crew ended up like, you know, just massacring you know, the, the guests or the, Well, I mean,
0: that's the thing know. that one of my problems is that the crew did that. The crew is guilty. Right. All these other guests who regularly, and, and the captain included, were like, why have you turned towards being a dick I mean, here? mean, it's
1: kind of like you know, uh, haunting at Hills, Hill House kind of a situation. They're just people that were caught in the crossfire, and then I mean, it's an evil presence yeah. that just kind of like sucked them in. I mean, I well, get I it. What it Chris doesn't. Is,
3: Chris is saying is this is it sort of weak writing. It's like, yeah, okay, like, I, I just, get that. So well, randomly, now well, they're and, bad. It never feels explained. Yeah. I was just and, like,
0: why are those guys bad? But like, and and none of That's the guys true. who are actually bad appear as ghosts in the fucking know, film yeah, and you're like wait what why are none of these waiters and shit and- being the villain <laughs> not- why are they not the villains goddamn waiters and it, it's interesting
2: you said about the poorly written part because i did read that the original script for this movie was essentially like almost a shining on a boat okay it was like a much smaller yeah. less gory crazy- and it was supposed to be like the captain that makes sense, the so- captain slowly turning against his crew and becoming like Haunted, like, you know, there's like hints of that with the other captain and the drinking, like, you see the parallels between The Shining, and apparently, when along the line, the script got rewritten, 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 and by the time production started, all the actors who had signed on were just like, How do I get out of this? this? No, they like they were contractually like uh, so they had had already signed it, not realized
0: that they could the student could change the metal
1: crazy crazy fucking. I one hundred percent agree that that would have been a better movie, but I do feel the need to to defend this because I do like this. This is just one of those movies where you have to take a step back because it's a fun. Movie. I swear to God, if gr- you say
0: turn your brain off, I'm going to kill you. No, I would never say that. <laughs> no,
1: this is just a fun movie, and sometimes you just kind of have to overlook some of the gaping holes in the plot to just be like, okay, Gabriel Byrne is fantastic. Juliana Margulies is fantastic. In retrospect now, Carl Urban is fantastic, and it's just a great little fun ghost story on a ship. Wow. And there's Ooh. great deaths. That's- Great Are
2: games. those? I'm take, the I'm take, other than that opening, I have in my notes right now, like, as I was watching, I took them, first thing I wrote down was, all-time great opening. Yes. Number two. Yeah. This movie's awful.
1: <laughs> 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 Number three, all-time
2: worst montage. Uh-huh. Pretty bad. And, okay, and then, that,
1: montage and that was, pretty was like bad. that
2: was, like, the customer, I was like, and it is fun, because it is bad. It is one of the, like... So, so bad, it's is good. But it is not... The kills are really bad. It is the, not... Most big, of them are off-screen. A lot of off-screen kills. But that... But I will say... a whole budget in the opening sequence. Yeah. So. if anything, That's true. That opening sequence is incredible. And if that montage where, like, the girl takes um, ERs, Julianne Marley's, around <laughs> and shows her all the fucked up shit that happened on the ship to this, like... Rip off corn. <laughs> sounding. And there's like. Okay, the
1: soundtrack like, was. Not looking
2: great at guys. all this stuff so that's happening. Murder. And I was. My jaw dropped. I couldn't believe that I was watching this. It seemed insane. Like, what were they doing? Damn it. Well, actually, that's something I really wanted to talk
3: about is the new metal when it came in. Because one of the things I love about. Like
0: fucking Mudvayne, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: literally is Mudvayne.
3: Yes, you've got like sort of pink cursive script for the titles. You've got this love boat theme going on, and this horrible, like, crazy murder, which is great. That's why it's, it's so cool, effective. yeah. If you had used that same sort of love boat style, like, music for that flashback, even with it full of, like, guns and, like, fast chops and stuff, that might have sold it. Well, yeah, thrown in like muffin
2: or corn or whatever, and then the knockoff again at the end. Randomly, yeah. There's This, like, it's just, it's this movie is just all over. It's the place. Just, like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's this this production company that was uh, putting this out was a Dark something. I forget the name of it. Um, Ooh, Dark Castle. Dark mm-hmm. Castle. And their initial yeah, Castle their, their initial goal was to put out just new upgrades of William Castle films. That 13 was their, Ghost, thirteen ghosts. Thirteen ghosts was one of the first yeah. ones, which Same was also
1: director, By the way.
0: the only <laughs> other film by this director, who by the way, after. This film never, even in any way, was involved in film again after this. This was his <laughs> last movie. 13 Ghost,
1: <laughs> Ghost Ship, which are my like two of my favorite. Okay, like,
0: don't like either oh, one. Of you know
2: Thirteen Ghosts is better than this. No, I agree with
0: that, yeah. you, except it for the is. opening scene. Yeah. but I mean, Dark Castle did some other things that I was like, the opening scene was awesome, and the rest of the movies was shit. There was it with the House on Haunted Hill. I think they did that thing with the elevator that was like that they were doing the horror theme park thing, and they're like, oh god, oh, yeah. the elevator's falling, and That's you're that. like, what? Oh, this is so cool! The yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the movie's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, the opening scene was great. Why can't y'all?
1: Funny how funny! Hill wasn't that bad?
0: It was pretty bad.
2: <laughs> that's the one <only> where they like <laughs> the, <laughs> the shake ends, up the, up shaky, the, I the shaky, do. Heads, I right? do. Like, yeah, remember, the like, shaky shake, head heads, right? Yeah, like uh, that's the shaky head one. That was like terrifying. The
1: shaking enemy. his head around. I'm totally gonna. I I I agree with yeah. you uh guys. This is not a great film. But I just. Thought it was super entertaining.
3: I'm actually not going to lie. Like, I really did enjoy watching this movie again. I think it's not a good movie, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. See? And one of my favorite parts, in addition to what we already talked about, the opening sequence and uh, Emily Browning, I do think, is just like a little ray of sunshine in the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, Gabriel burns. Burn. That's how is this, pronounce it? Burn. Burn. Right.
0: Uh, no S. Him
3: doing like his salty dog, like sea shanty talk <laughs> is so <laughs> amazingly yeah. funny
0: to me. He's just, but but he is also kind of sleepwalking through this. So oh, like, absolutely. You're a guy That's with the around. awesome accent and a cool face. Just be
2: you. <laughs> it's fun to see him slum it. Like, like <laughs> it really, yeah.
1: he, he you listened. know, he needed to buy himself a new yacht. You and guys.
0: It's a little confusing his death, where I was like, "Wait, what happened?" They flooded him. Yeah, they were like, like "Okay, he's there's." A, it's like it feels like him. it feels uh, like scene missing. I was like, "Okay, so he's dead now." You All can see right. glimpses
2: of the more interesting movie, like where he does turns and attacking her because he's gone crazy. Like I think that was the initial plan for this movie. Was him to start terrorizing his crew, and if this is a smaller movie and not so corn influence, like <laughs> I can like, see that, I can see that tale happening, and I can see it being uh,
1: pretty Mud cool. Mudvayne, okay, Alan. sorry, sorry, Mudvayne.
0: <laughs> I just, I think yeah, the weakest point here, other than like a mediocre f- as fuck script, is Desmond Harrington as ferryman. I think he's. Fucking terrible. He's kind of bland, isn't he? He's like has no idea what to do with this part. He has no he charisma. Has, he has n- there's no point where he trans translates his his performance from the reveal that he is this evil whatever. From like this nebushi guy who's like, oh, I don't know, I'm just here along for the ride. I want it to some money it like too. If to give him a
2: good slap, he'd be like, you're right. I'm yeah, yeah. exactly. He never feels weird points.
0: He never feels scary or intimidating at all. Ever here, you're just kind of like. And then that like little like end of the the little epilogue at the end of the film, like, oh, no, he's doing it again, and now he's got the souls <laughs> of my friends, like, okay. See, I feel
1: like better. if maybe Gabriel Byrne had done, what, what was that, um a uh, Schwarzenegger movie, end of, days, end of Days, where Gabriel Byrne was the devil. Maybe if he, those roles were con- like reversed, would By you way, be... the End
0: of Days is totally going on our Satan episode. When we <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. I ride for End of Days. Yeah, i vote for End of Days 100%. Maybe that'll be our next episode. I don't, I don't, Only you can vote.
0: Oh, I don't think it's a good movie, but I sure do enjoy oh, it. <laughs> but
1: don't you think that Gabriel Byrne would have made a better Ferryman and then maybe yes. Desmond Harrington made a better Cat. Captain? It's, maybe,
2: he, just get him out of there and get I've, someone else. Well, he's an older man, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, like, Gabriel Byrne, you see why they cast him, but at the same time, yeah. Of course Gabriel Byrne would have done a better job with he, that part. He does
2: evil so well.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. he really does. Um, but uh, let's, unless anybody else has anything else to no. add <laughs> with on. Ghost Ship, uh, let's move on.
1: Conjuring. No,
0: Patience, our next movie is not The Conjuring. We're not there yet. We're going through a a timeline, and our next movie is, in fact, in 2007, which is Paranormal Activity 3. And I will admit, I'm the one who fought for us doing 3 rather than 1, because I've seen all the Paranormal Activities except for Tokyo Night, which apparently is like was released in Japan and was released only on DVD here, did not get a theatrical release, and I, I just never got around to checking out because, honestly... I wasn't that excited. <laughs> but um, I still say to this day that Paranormal Activity 3 is the high point of the series, which is to say that even though we were still dealing with a lot of like, Jesus Christ, another one of these fucking things, like if this is the only Paranormal Activity movie you're going to watch, I think you'll actually really like go, oh, well, that's not so bad. What is And you'll be tempted to watch the rest. And I'm like, yeah, probably don't. Yeah,
2: that's <laughs> funny because I – have not seen all the paranormal activities i've seen the first one and then now i've seen the third one
0: yeah which is is chronologically the first one i mean even the framing device in this is before the first paranormal activity
2: that's what i get and like you saying, it does make me kind of want to watch i'm I'm curious about the mythology now i want to see the others Uh, i don't know if i'm going to go on that journey but after like knowing the first one and then seeing this and knowing it's a prequel. It kind of makes me curious about the mythology that they're creating.
0: The other best one is the Marked Ones, which was their kind of like, oh, it's kind of a spinoff, which is, I believe, the second to last in the chronology, which is their Latino one. And that's actually pretty solid overall. It it has some real surprises. But this one, by far, I felt like added the most to this very relatively over we were over familiar with by the time it came out in 2011 uh premise of like oh it's a house it's uh, it's got a ton of cameras everyone's it's it's a found footage thing except a lot of it is static cameras and so much of that like in terms of like doing something a little bit cool in it was affected by it being wow that was neat by the idea of one of the characters setting up a camera on a revolving fan which is a super well planned neat effect to great scares this is the one of the biggest scares of any movie this year comes late in this movie because of that but the idea is like all right so the first movie we see uh uh with katie and her husband and we see that like there's a some sort of ghost type presence in their house and it didn't work well and, and Katie runs off, all possessed. Uh, the second movie, I, 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 am blanking really, but I know it involves uh, to some degree her sister the Julie. Yeah, no, no, The, no, 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 the first
1: movie is Katie. The second movie is Christie.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Who is pregnant and about to give birth to right. Hunter, the right. baby, the male baby. And
0: so this goes back to when the two of them, who are sisters, were little girls and growing up and the origin of all this, how they first got attached. The spirit of Toby, as it's revealed, as, as they call it, uh, was first attached to them. And this film most directly connects to... The last two films in the series, more than anything else, where it like, it starts getting into the whole like, oh, there's a witch coven involved and all this. Like, it, it, it's the first film that actually starts to develop an actual plot to the overarching, like, like, like mythology of the paranormal activity series, such as it is and yeah it is i admit it's just it's an hour and a half of, of watching static stuff through cameras and looking at negative spaces mm-hmm. and waiting for shit to happen with two young actresses who i thought actually do a pretty solid job in these performances in this and their roles in this and i there's it, like I said, if you were going to only watch one Paranormal Activity movie and go, I'm done, this is the one to see out of the entire series. There are some real genuinely creepy moments here. There's not – there's vaguely anything involving a plot. I mean, yeah, sure. Like if, like if in terms of spoilers, eventually we get to the point where they leave the house and they go to grandma's house and it turns out that grandma is a member of a coven and that's sort of the source of bringing all this in. And obviously there's some sort of deeper plan to involve these little girls with, with – I don't know, satan stuff yeah. <laughs> or whatever. But like it doesn't matter. This is about the set pieces. It's one of those ghost movies that is about the set pieces. And overall, the set pieces here are not really that bad. But uh, Alan, you, you, you look like a champion of the bit. To talk about this one.
2: Uh, a little bit. Like, I, well, I watched it today. It was the last movie I watched for this. And um, yeah, I have to agree with you. Like, other than that very beginning piece that connects it to the first one, it is completely standalone. As a paranormal activity movie, or as like a ghost movie, and it's effective. It's almost the exactly the same as the first one, except for the end where they start to like build some mythology. Other than that, you know exactly what you're getting out of it. Yeah, it's like like you said, the static shots. You're looking in the background. You're waiting for something scary to happen, something to jump at you. It doesn't happen for a very long time as the camera oscillates back and forth, and then eventually the tiniest thing can kind of creep you out. Um, but it is effective in that, like the patience and this, like the subtlety that this has, which really lacks in a lot of horror movies of this era, of this like early two thousand tens, where everything's like very big and loud and shocking. Like the smallest little things in this movie are very creepy, and they build to like a crescendo at the end, which is like impressive. I did enjoy that quite a bit. I-
1: um, I actually. Did not like this movie as much as the first one. Um, Just because I thought that's the whole point, is it had too much of a mythology. I mean, this is Mm. essentially like... On it, I mean, if you really thought about it, this is seriously the same plot as Hereditary in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, and so I was like, "Oh, is this where Hereditary got their right ideas?" Just idea
0: except well? w- without like the sense of yeah, being with, art with, film, uh, but yeah.
1: yeah, but not <laughs> as good. Um, <laughs>
0: To put it mildly. Uh,
1: you know, this is chronologically the first movie. I think I, I think I did watch the fourth one, but I don't remember anything about it. I remember it, it being more cult-centric. It's than-
0: weird to say that, like, it was a huge disappointment, because come on. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it was,
0: because I, I remember even I saw some spill guys who hated the first two, and they were like, oh, we got to admit, We actually kind of enjoyed this one.
1: I... Didn't I thought that the first one was super creepy, and it really affected me because I was like, holy shit, like, this is creeping me out right now. The second one, not so much, and I think this one, even less. I I mean, it's a bunch of kids standing on top of tables, and it's like, ew, look at me, I'm talking to my imaginary friend, which we've seen a thousand times. I just didn't think it had the impact that the first one had I and I am a big fan of found footage. Unlike other people, in I show. like
0: I'm I'm the one who there's always stuff, says. And,
2: and actually, I'm, the Paranormal Activity series—it's one of those leaps. There's always like Blair Witch came, and that was mm-hmm. like, whoa. And then like it gets run to the ground, and then something else to come along. And Paranormal Activity comes out, and it just is like, whoa, this is a another a, a unique twist on this format. And like in this one, kind of holds true to that, but it is just like that first one. Yeah, the, the effectiveness is like the same thing. Yeah.
1: I, I did like the fact that I think that this one. I and don't quote me on this, and you can definitely send hate mails to at Chris Cox at one of us. But the first one did something called Retroscripting, which is something that Blair Witch also did, which is they just gave the cast and crew like a general idea of what they wanted, and then. Everyone just kind of made up their own lines. By the
0: way, I also hate that movie, Blair Witch. Yeah, yes, I can't, can't he hates
1: Blair, Blair Witch, Witch, which is one of my all-time favorites. So and we fight over it every, every single, single episode.
2: Time. Yep. yep. But- I'm patience on this one. I love, uh, on this one. Uh, oh, I love it too. I'm with Chris on this one.
1: Uh, oh, yes. god. And Blair damn it.
3: Witch are really clever ideas for a low-budget movie, and I'm really pleased they were successful and they made all the money that they did. And was, but it's just inspired so many imitators. And they also weren't that good
0: themselves, yeah. you know? It's Yeah. It just, yeah I just, mean, Blair Witch's genius is in the marketing, not in the film right. itself. So. I appreciated
1: how divided we are. And um, <laughs> uh, shout out, uh, the so Paranormal Activity movies, they also did a lot of amazing marketing strategies. Yeah. That was a lot of their budget was, like, tweet the ending of the film. And, uh, well, yeah,
0: although weirdly, this is the first film that worked against them because... There was so much of the trailer for this film was not in the film, like over half of it, that audiences like the fans came out and said, what the fuck? And they've said since, it's like, we literally could have made an entirely different version of this film with not using a single shot of it that would have been a complete version of the story using footage that we did not include in this film because we filmed so much footage. That's interesting. Yeah.
2: I wish like that would be released. I would be interested to see what like, I would what love that to see an alternate version. version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Me too. I mean, on my
3: end, I think uh, the version that I saw... Definitely could be improved on. Like, mm-hmm. I'd like to see what the alternative one was. I mean, it's, so This it's, is the best of Paranormal Activities, and this is the only one I've seen so far. Okay. And I feel like it was a two-hour-long trailer for a Paranormal Activity movie.
1: <laughs> you should see the first one. I would like to hear what you have to say about the first one, because I, the first okay. one is so much raw-er.
0: It's raw but I also think it's a lot more dull. Like, the scares are kind of, like, not that scary. And I
1: think that that's what's... That's what's great about it.
2: It feels way more like a real thing you might find.
1: Yes, it's more Um, up until right at the end, which
2: is like controversial. That first paranormal activity, but like it does feel like the way a haunting might go down, where like it's just the slightest subtle unease. Like which I understand they have to elevate things with sequels, and by the third one things get a little wild. um, but I do, like, I appreciate the patience of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they do, like, they don't go for... Like, it takes a long time for things to start moving. Yeah, this um, is
1: a slow... Which... They're all slow. It
2: can be, like, it's a double-edged sword. Like, on one end, it's like, this isn't very exciting. But on the other end, it's like, you know what? I, I kind of admire it. Like, if you're making this, what has been, like, the third film in a big hit series, to not just go insane and start like throwing shit at the wall like having like things just be like you know incredibly like "Ah, what's the word i'm looking for like very popular they still stay they stay true to that like aesthetic that they've established but they also
0: at the same time are amping up the amount of reveals to the audience of stuff that wasn't revealed in the first two in terms of building that mythology that at this point if they realize this is not going to stop anytime soon which they were realizing because each one of these films was make a mad bank. Like, we're going to keep making these fucking movies till <laughs> they stop making money, which, by the way, they didn't stop making money. They all of them have made a shit ton of money compared yeah. to budget. Just because their budget's
1: and, like $20,000. Yeah. And,
0: and they,
2: well, this one was the highest grossing so far in the series. It
0: I was, think. it was a multiple yeah. record breaker right. in theaters on multiple levels. This was a huge success, partially because it was the first movie in the series that critics went, actually, this one's not that bad. <laughs> right. By, well, like, well, like, three points on Metacritic.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 They're like, this, on this one I like kind of... It's, like, a 68 on Rod
1: <laughs> Tomatoes instead of a 63. That's kind of, like, one of
0: those, like, I'm not really... I'm not... I don't really care that much about the mythology, but it is nice to see it making efforts. What I care about is for the scares to be scary. And this is the first movie in the series, for me, that had that where it actually worked. There's a sequence where, like... Uh, with the revolving fan camera where uh, the main character goes into the kitchen and she's like, where's everything in the kitchen? It's like everything in the kitchen's gone and then it just falls from the ceiling. That is fucking scary as shit. I actually alley. want to
1: talk about that real quick. First of all, I like how, because this is set in the 80s, or the, like, 88, I think, is is mm-hmm. the time period, and I love how the main character, Dennis... Played by Chris Smith. No one's ever heard of him since. Um, He is a wedding photographer or a wedding videographer, I guess. And so he actually goes through this whole process on camera where he manipulates equipment to sort of catch up with the modern technology. And I liked a lot. I actually love this part, how they sort of, like, branched that between, like, okay, so we have to use modern technology for these quote-unquote found footage scenes, so how can we make it more realistic? And they actually went that extra step to be like, oh, yeah, and, and they put, like, they mount a camera on an oscillating fan And that is absolutely the best scene in this movie. Like, she walks into the kitchen, and there's, like, nothing there. And all of a sudden, everything just comes crashing to the floor. And that's when she finally is like, oh, there really is (laughs) something going on here.
2: That's one one of my issues is, like, at some point before that, Get the fuck out of that house! <laughs> right. dude. Like,
0: the, the fucking babysitter is just like I can't believe she went to the end of her shift.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. She you get the kids there. up. You go downstairs. You yeah. walk out in front of like. we go man.
0: to a local hotel. You push the television out <laughs> to the, the
2: outside of the <laughs> yeah. house, and you're done. It, it, this movie kind of falls victim to <laughs> that classic found footage thing. It's like up until they move to the grandma's house, everything makes sense to be shot there's no reason to, to be filming there. and it's like this it's a classic issue with found footage like uh-huh. why keep shooting which this movie has like kind of a cheat code to circumvent you have the camera set up but then like you have a hand- handheld camera at some point
0: where it, it falls apart fall, in the last. It falls apart. Like, oh, this. And why would he still have a camera? Yeah, uh, yeah.
3: And the cheat code in this one, I think, is actually a solid one. As patience was alluding to earlier, he's a videographer, so he's excited about his tech. Yeah. You know, and like we all know people like that. I've been one myself. Where it's like, yeah, I'm, I just want to set up cameras and do some stuff. Like, I got all this cool stuff.
0: There's yeah. that point though where like that we're in, that remains. scenario at the grandma's house where you're like, no, you're he's way past being interested. Yeah, in that. exactly. Yeah, you know, like there are films. They found the cheat code that works, like, the, the rec and rec two. You're like, I get it. This is about a journalist who is there. It is there to cover every? It's bit the of classic this rule: thing. never
2: stop shooting if yeah. you're like a war journalist. Or
0: exactly,
1: a... yes, but yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. When you're being chased by a cult and, <laughs> and and like shit's going on, I mean, I'm gonna throw down that fucking no. camera. I'm uh, throwing that camera came at
0: you
3: That's right
2: true. in that which It's a <laughs> that weapon. That. That those,
0: those, a, those 80s cameras, <laughs> yeah. they were
2: weapons. They're Forty breeders. pounds of VHS power <laughs> in the face. Yeah, like immediately.
4: <laughs> Fuck that right, shit. So I
3: want to take this back for just a quick second and talk about the beginning. So like you were talking, Ellen was talking about it being a patient film and I agree it does take its time building but compared to other patient films that we've watched in this batch I don't feel like I got to know anything except that these people are sort of uncomfortable in front of cameras and kind of annoying. Mm.
4: That's a you good know? point. So
3: I spent a lot of time, like I think I was half hour in before I made a single note about this movie and that w- it was the Ostling fan note. Yeah, and I was just like, I'm really pleased that he MacGyvered that Camera, And then his wife, a second later, says MacGyver. And I was like, damn it, you remember that? It's
0: it's a cool, like, like take on what people had done on found footage that we hadn't seen yet. So you're like, oh, neat. Okay, cool. What what are you going to do with that? It's like, and, right, so I don't
3: feel like the characters have motivations, right? So the guy's afraid that if he talks to his wife about it, she's going to want the cameras taken down, which there's no motivation behind it. And then he does, and then she wants him taken down. Like, she's not upset that they're up there, they're in the first place, but now that him and both her daughters and his assistant and, like, everyone else involved in this think something's happening, now she's not cool with it?
2: That's like, the I real... I honestly don't get her motivation It's yet. the real problem with the movie is him not wanting to, like... They kind of throw it out there, like, I can't tell her, she'll freak out. Okay? And then, yeah, like, yeah, right. that's, like, like the what? biggest issue with the, like... The biggest plot point of the movie, the reason why it lasts so long, like, and they don't get out of the house is stupid. Like, if shit starts she, going, if you find out, like, if you look at the footage and there's, like, a sheet that's in the form of a person and then it disappears and then you see which, the...
0: by the way, was one of the uh, writer-directors playing that part. Oh, really? <laughs> so,
2: like, if you see that happening, like, you don't be like, I can't tell her, she'll freak out. You'll be like, uh... Look, look, look at happened. this. <laughs> this place is fucked up. We need to get out of here. Like, and it's a huge issue. Like, uh... I mean, it looks cool and aesthetically, it's all good. Look, but like, yeah, basic like motivations and like logic. I, so, I, I
3: couldn't hold myself back from that. Like, I got to the point where I think in my notes, I even asked myself, it's like, what what is her motivation for like being so opposed right now? Like, was was her father a ghost hunter who like left <laughs> mother for a Betamax? Like <laughs> yeah. she I mean she never I mean him? he
1: has actual footage of his <laughs> of her daughter being in fucked up situations. She's like, fuck you, I won't watch it. And you're like, uh oh. I mean
0: I get it to some extent. It's like human denial is a powerful yeah. thing. And yeah. and being connected with anger, and I, I, I felt like, okay, I get that. I I've known people in that situation, not with ghosts, mind you. With like I like where it was like dealing with physical abuse in their family it was like no I refuse to acknowledge that there's any chance this is happening and I will be furious about even you bringing it up Th- that felt to me that's what they her, were
2: going at. I think her reaction is definitely but it's weird that he would keep it from her for so long that's like exactly that a really that's a point. weird Why like, he would think her it. reaction once he tells her is I guess see that being a, like a relatively real thing that could happen but him just keeping it a secret to himself and the girls like it's like there's, like, something missing there in the communication between this, like, can, family unit. Can
0: I say, just in, in wrapping up on this one, that, like, I know it's been years since we've had a paranormal activity. and I know a lot of people are like, yay, um, but eventually we're going to get another one. There's no <sighs> question that we will. These things make too much money. I was going to say the brother from this. Like the the that that like disappear is the only smart character in the whole film. Is like fuck you, guy. I'm out of here. Right? He's like brother in law or whatever. Like bring him back many many years later, where he's really the only surviving character of this whole thing. Where he's like, I found the stash of all the tapes of all these movies, and I'm like now like investigating this because I want to know what happened to my sister and all these people and make that the starting point where yeah, it's like gonna, years the later so and the script, he's the make prim- it less of a monster. found footage
2: thing and more of an investigative thing with all this found footage yeah he's making yeah, a
0: documentary
3: cool. yeah it'd be yeah. great
2: yeah and he was a great character like of all the characters he's yeah. the one that well,
3: had the most reasonable responses one to final effect.
2: thing one final thing I would say: the, I, I actually do enjoy the performance in it they all feel very natural like the little girls especially it feels like very like improv in that they're not like actively, Yeah, it's that showing. retro it scripting real. that I was talking yeah. about. How that, they
1: just give them a scenario and are like, "Okay, just go yeah. ahead and."
2: I think they are all pretty natural. In, like, natural in that element of like, it seems like they're real people. I would like to point out
3: one more thing, real quick. I know we're moving on. No worries, fast. But uh, do your thing. As far as the kids go, uh, the the younger girl just got this one glory moment that just really pleased me. When uh, dad or stepdad's asking, like, "What does he? What does Toby look like? Is he?" Short? Is he tall? Is he fat? And she's like, he's tall, he's tall. Don't, Don't call him fat.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't call him fat. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. totally worked. Like, even even demons <laughs> <laughs> Don't have shame. Like you just imagine him, imagine him
2: like looming over his... Body like, shame. <laughs> Don't, <I'm not>
0: <laughs> Don't body shame yeah. demons. That's all. That's the tall. worst <laughs> thing you can do. <laughs> anyway, our next film is one of those movies that I suspect is for all of us one of our high points of this entire list. <clears throat> Except Patience, I guess? Um, which is... 2013's The Conjuring by James Wan, uh, which I think is the best film Wan has ever made, personally. Um, I put this personally on such a over high... the
1: first Saw?
0: Or way over the first Saw. Big time. First off, the first Saw is not a good movie. It has some great moments in it. It's not a good movie. This is kind of almost a masterpiece of ghost I'm willing to
2: call it a masterpiece, I think. I think it's such <laughs> a good ghost story it, movie. It's, it, so it's,
0: it's weird that it uses all the tropes we've seen before, but I, I kept thinking this, rewatching this again, going like, you know what makes us better, despite using all these familiar tropes, is that he's really interesting in being cinematography, in a cinematography way, very interesting. He's not content with just the tricks he wants to do more around those tricks and and show you like there's all these great scenes that are blocked so well with people coming and going through the shot like, like there's just all these things where like wow you're a genuinely good filmmaker not just a good horror filmmaker yeah and it's something yeah. you
2: haven't seen in horror film in forever where it's just like a genuinely good filmmaker taking on horror and like Where, like, the craft of the film is first, and the scares are secondary, but because the craft is so good, the scares are so effective.
0: Well, Alan, what's the plot of this film?
2: The plot of this film is we um, are following Ed and Lorraine... Warren, who are two real people. Pieces of shit, for the record. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
2: but I do
1: I'm love... I'm going to do my, my patented, you know, trademarked patience, Ed and Lorraine Warren rant in a second. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Well, I do love... Regardless of the real people, I love the characterizations of them in this movie. I love them. Yeah. Well, the movie starts with a tale of one of their past conquests of the doll Annabelle being told to them and then which being,
0: unfortunately we're going to have to deal with again in the future
2: <laughs> <laughs> and being lectured um, to a class about the paranormal and we're kind of established to these people as two paranormal slash very religious figures who tackle these type of situations flash forward to a family or flash sideways to a family who's moving to a new house um, where hauntings start to ensue the mother's being affected physically in her sleep the daughters are seeing things a lot of things are happening not going well in that house um eventually they uh, they um become aware of ed and lorraine they contact them they come to the house the investigation pursues it's um revealed that there's a witch that used to live here amongst other spirits that are in this house there's a slew of like hauntings and poltergeists happening here um it goes from there the mother's possessed the kids are terrified the mother's trying to kill them the dad's concerned and lorraine doing the best they can with all the power of christ as it or, were, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's, Which
0: is, a, to some degree, played down, and I'm glad. They didn't get too carried away with the whole, like, super Catholic, Catholicism so, yeah. aspect but, of
2: it. But, you know, i got to say, before we get into the rant of, like, the real people of them, I do really knew enjoy... knew that was coming, yeah. I do really enjoy the characterizations of them in this movie, because they're played, like, Christian in the way that, like, the best idea way you could think of it, like, oh, what a Christian would be, he was just like not judgmental and just helpful. It doesn't yeah. matter you don't believe in God. He was just like... In the
0: mythology of this film where this stuff is real, like, yeah, they're not like these dogmatic Christians. They're like, no, they like have a very open-minded yeah. like point of view on this stuff.
2: Yeah, they're spiritual. And, like, and I- I'm talking like definitely from the perspective of the movie, Patience is making a face of
1: it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I've had, I've I have had i a- my face. <laughs>
2: discussions like, about this in other movies in the past were like, and this is an especially interesting one, because, like, we're history, I'm not concerned with the actual history of the actual person. I'm more concerned with the movie that's being yeah, told to me. Right. Um, I'm always that way. And, like, I love the narrative of this movie, whether it's real or not. And I like, I think one of the movie's greatest strengths is that this exists in some sort of reality, like, where this couple really did investigate the Amityville house. And that's already been a made. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that's interesting that, like, that did happen. And then whether it's haunted or not, there's like a story of that, but these are the people and you have this built in universe and this built in feeling of like in this reality where this is all real. That's what this movie is based off. Like this is all fact and the movie treats it as such. And it's really effective. Well, I,
0: I, I'm going to like understand (sighs) at at least some extent where patience is coming from as a former paranormal investigator yourself has actually done that sort of work. Uh, like the Warrens were hucksters. They were they liars. They were terrible people. They were terrible human beings. Uh, and and. The only thing that pisses me off about this movie being based on them is that one of them is still alive and making money off of it. Yeah,
1: Lorraine. Yeah. Um, And Mm. she's happily making money off of all of these fake stories that they made. Oh, gosh. I just went down the rabbit hole. But they are definitely... the Ed and Lorraine Warren, and this is a problem that I've had, and we've talked multiple times, whenever one of their movies comes across our board, that I get really upset because... These are terrible human beings in real life. They manipulated and ripped off and just uh, uh, made up. I mean, they're just not good people. And the fact that Lorraine Warren is still making money off of the... They're, they're
0: traffickers in human
3: misery.
1: Estate. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And they're, they're like hokey... The real
3: life versions of Michael J. Fox, the Frighteners.
1: <laughs> 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 Pretty much. But, yeah. I mean, at least Michael J. Fox had a reason because he was like traumatized by his wife's death. Adam and Lorraine Warren are just straight up making shit up. And they're not good people, but um, but
2: within the universe of this w- movie, they, they are, are good. You know. All right, so the so characters. So, you know, I just to I just hate
1: giving us. them any money by I, watching their movies, and I I
2: I, I totally.
0: Concur. You're not wrong. Like, Lorraine Warren, she's a piece of shit. Fuck her. Like, like there's been... If you don't... If you're, like, offended by that, look more deeply into their history. Because, oh, my God, is she a huckster. She actually had the balls to come out when this movie came out and said everything that happened in this movie is exactly what happened in real life. Which is funny, because the script is very vaguely at best based on her recollection of the experience of this film. It's like, wait, so now the movie is exactly (laughs) what happened that these writers came up with?
2: They they guessed it all right on the spot. Yeah, exactly. It was like, you're so full of shit. But But, That's so interesting to me because I really do think part of the strength is that there is some root in real life, even though the real people might be garbage, but, but yeah, the fact that it is, I mean, maybe is the, some sort of reality,
0: I mean, maybe the Perons are right on who are the original family here yeah. who did maybe, well, um, maybe I this just, just want
1: to point out that the family that is living in this same house has been, is, has been actively suing everyone that is associated with making this movie. Um, since two thousand, since it came out. Um, yeah. That has yet to be settled. Well, that's
0: kind of a history that everyone who's ever lived in the Amityville house has done the same thing. Which so,
1: is uh, valid as well because they made uh, so much shit up. And then also um, there was a, a writer who wrote a book on the Warrens and kind of, like, highlighted all of their major cases, and it wasn't in a bad way, but he had exclusive rights with the Warrens, and then the Warrens turned around and and sold all those rights to, was yeah. Warner Brothers? Yeah. And then, so, he actually was settled out of court with Warner Brothers just this last December. Before I suspect um, how
0: sizable
3: amount uh, of money. Uh, yeah, we
1: don't I, know,
0: they kept it quiet. Because right.
1: they straight up, the Warrens were like, oh, what are you talking about? Well, we never gave Warrens. you the right. Yeah, Warren. <laughs> um, Um,
0: But as, uh, 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 you, there's, there was a lot of shit like that that was constantly going on, but we have to, as I always say, you have to talk about the movie as a movie and not whatever it's like pulling from in real life. And I, I will talk
1: about the movie. So, uh, first of all, I'm actually glad that I got to rewatch this movie. I hadn't seen it in a long time and until like, I think it came out and I think that when it came out, I was just so fucking angry that I wasn't able to watch it with an open mind, or as, like, a horror movie, and I was just like, I hate the Warrens, I hate everything about the Warrens, so I hate everything about this movie. Um, James Wan... He's a, he's a fantastic filmmaker. I did like Saw. I'm just 50-50 on Insidious. I but, love
2: Insidious.
0: I um, Fucking Darth Maul makes the best demon.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <But laughs> Who, by the way,
0: also played the actor played that, played Bathsheba in this.
1: Okay, Same actor. We're going to get to yeah. that. But I actually thought the first act of this of Conjuring was fan fantastic when the family moves into the house and they the the haunting starts to escalate like there was a couple of points where i was like why are you looking under the bed don't fucking look under the bed no one looks under the bed what <laughs> are you fucking doing like i was genuinely creeped out it's when the second act hits with when the Warrens come in and do their stupid fake demonology. Hokey Sounds pokey. like you're still affected. That's I'm a, see, a little.
4: i In, I'm the, still in a
2: little the movie, it's not fake demonology. Yeah. In the movie, they are being very yeah. helpful people.
1: The demon right. knocks three times to like put yeah, down the Trinity. Mythol- but
0: that's a mythology of the film, my not anything to do with the actual one. So lines.
1: hard that I seriously, my I eyes love are the still in the back. I the As of my someone head, who's yeah, like yeah.
0: actively angry at a lot of like Christian dogma. Uh, that shit doesn't bother me when it's in a fictional movie I'm just like okay it's just
2: it's, it's a mythology it's I, a fiction I love like yeah? the fictional story of like the very helpful Christians and like the very oh. it's almost like funny to me like to see like the the most like idealized version of a helpful Christian in this fucked up horror movie and like I, it's almost yeah, charming you- to me like they're like naive like and God genuinely God, want to do good. Yeah, God. Like, is, it's, I love it. I, it's something about like, it so. Why inspiring. is the Catholic
1: mm-hmm. Church coming to their rescue? So it's easily. It's the same. That you can make the same argument happen.
0: as the Exorcist. You're just like, come on. You're gonna come down the Exorcist because the Catholic Church was involved.
1: No, no. It's, I'm just uh, saying that Exorcist made fucking sense.
0: I don't think that this doesn't either. It makes like, perfect.
2: A, it makes perfect sense within the universe they create. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. like they're
1: like hokey pokey, like stupid, fakey demonology shit that they make up. To be fair, good.
0: To be fair, the whole like three times trinity thing is a reoccurring thing, in and, and, and Christian based paranormal investigation. You point that out to me
1: in any like, but in normal like actual scientific book, and I will no. So No, scientific in every, in, term,
0: it, there is no such thing as ghosts and yes, demons. There is. Uh, well, sorry, but, but but, but in right. every what in is every sorry. paranormal activity, it's
2: all in every paranormal movie, in every superstitious movie, every ghost, every witch. It's all made up to in a degree.
0: Yeah, in the, fact the context is, of the, the film. Is is really in the, the context connected? of the film.
2: But that's what I'm saying. Like, so, I'm like just, the fact I'm that, choosing. like, yeah. the fact that they're Physicians. pulling for some reality and using it to their advantage. Like, it's been done through the history of storytelling, and, like, you know, you gotta let it, like, breathe within the movie itself. I
1: just, I just hated, though, I just hate the Warrens, and I definitely <laughs> am biased towards them. And so when they start their fucking hokey-pokey bullshit, I'm just like, <laughs> fuck them, I hate everything about them. And then I thought that, and, and then this is actually just the movie, has nothing to do with Warrens. I thought that the third act, the ending, was just so over the top oh, and but just it has so to be. cheesy. That's I love why it works it. So I mean, it's well. like we have to force this feel good, you know like, ending into the movie, and it's just, it's oh, way too good. much. Oh, really? Where all of the babies are, like, crying and everyone's crying. Oh, I'm surrounded by all my, us uh, But it disgusting. sounds like this is the only
2: movie to ever do yeah, this. Like, like, almost every, every, Geist, every possession, Poltergeist. Every possession <laughs> movie of all time. Uh, no, yeah. but
1: Poltergeist did it in a car while they're driving away no. maniacally because they're fucking smart. This is them, like, seriously laying down in their front yard just hugging each other no. like a hip. But no, no, it's the same thing.
0: It's about like the power of the family and their love overcoming, Uh, like to some degree, like the power of yeah, exactly. Okay, well,
1: maybe my family isn't very loving because we (laughs) would definitely not. We're
0: your new family, and we're loving. Oh,
1: you're not gonna rescue me. Night. I
0: would rescue you. From
1: a haunted like, house. So well, You know, you know
0: just... I'd go in regardless if you were in there or not. Well, yeah, uh, yeah no, I yeah,
1: figured yeah. you would just be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I, I don't even have a flashlight right now, but I'm just going to go check out what's up.
0: Hey, this book is written in blood. I'm going to read it out loud. <laughs> in <de> patriot,
1: furious, <laughs> I'd like to talk real quick Dante. about rescuing
0: people. I feel like uh, Patrick
3: Wilson in this <laughs> movie, is, is uh, he's got a superpower. Like, you can fight ghosts. His superpower is just... Breaking doors down and being there. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole thing. Is
0: like <laughs> that's both the of only them. Thing that he does. He's like. He's his power is that he loves his wife so much yeah. <laughs> and that has an extensive knowledge in the mythology of the film. Does he actually the, use that knowledge at any point? I, mean, I would argue that he, he does. Oh, I mean, yeah, he regularly is the one who explains stuff like you were saying. Like that, it irritates you, but I like that goes like, oh, the the, the, the uh, three-knocking thing is a insult right. against that. I mean, he serves that purpose and he's like, the guy's like, it's about that relationship between him and his, him and his wife. His wife has the real power, but she's also also, so vulnerable because of it,
2: right? And, and that's and that's why his job is just to break that to board be the, and to be, be the strength, <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be the strength. And yeah. I love the hookiness of that. I, I, do I too. I, Actually, I mean, I, like I love that. that it's so cheesy in this like very scary dark movie. Like their relationship almost feels like a lifetime movie, <laughs> yeah, relationship. And like the fact that that's in this incredibly well crafted terrifying horror movie, incredibly well shot. That and, is. and I want to talk about the craft a little bit for there a two. second. Like the scares alone, like. I'm so rarely caught by jump scares or like things in movies like this. This movie, there's one scare in particular I want to talk about. It's when the girl is sleeping. Oh, that one. The claps are really good. The claps are great, but there's one where the, a middle daughter is sleeping and her leg's pulled, and she's kind of... Yeah. And that's where that's how the scare Joey starts. King,
0: who has in her own weird way become a teenage scream queen,
3: yeah, so. yeah. But that's it's, the only thing I've
2: seen her in. She's amazing. She's so good in it. But like that's how the scare starts, is like with the jump, and then it moves from her looking under the bed, which is a classic horror trope. You look under the bed. And the, the way that she looks under the bed and nothing's there, and then who in the looks under the
1: fucking bed?
2: Everyone, yeah. I have. But that's the thing. But that's the thing. That's the brilliance of This movie. She looks under the bed, and, and then nothing's down. there. Nothing. Yep. In the foreground, the door starts to close. The camera turns with her as she comes up, and it's so jarring and terrifying. It
0: finds a new way to do a cliched moment exactly. And, totally and then even way. when she
2: turns up and the Top door closes, nothing jumps. She's just like screaming at nothing. And then that's how the scene ends, and it's like it's so scary. It starts with the jump and ends with the linger. And one that of the is so one cool. of
0: the scariest movies in this, the scenes in this whole film. You don't actually see anything where, which is with Joey King and her sister in a room where she's like, "There, he's right, right behind there. you." That's, that's the scene we're in the room.
2: About. She's like, "He's right there. He's right you there." You
0: never actually see anything yeah. because you don't need to. Yeah. yeah, it's so much more frightening. And that's because the craft of, of it.
2: Amen. It starts with the jump scare and ends with this ominous like And that's nothing. actually the
1: only part of the movie that I really liked was that first chapter, that first act where they... That's the middle act. Well, okay, where they move into the house and the things start to like uh, accelerate, and when she, you know, the she gets her her leg tugged and she looks underneath the bed and then she sees the ghost behind. That was legitimately creepy so for me. It was
3: just words too, right? Because yeah, we, didn't sh- we weren't, we we weren't shown anything. We yeah. see like a corner in shadows but nothing to suggest that anything's there. It's just her saying no, it.
2: No loud music, no jump around the corner. I love it. Just, like, the yeah. camera twisting in a frame. Well, there's One of the been... things that I
3: wrote about this movie when I was re-watching, and this is my second time watching it, I was like, this is, like... It's, like, music sting, jump scare, 101, but not in a bad way. Like, in yeah. a way that, like, if you want to make a movie that's relatively based on these sorts of ideas,
0: this is how you do it.
3: This is yeah. the best of this stuff.
0: Well, you... you, you first off... Like the ghost movie genre had moved to show the ghosts really early on a while before this, and just go with it and just one the CG ghosts and one jump scare after another. This movie goes old school. It goes Amityville horror, where it's like, is this really happening? Really is there works. a possibility this is going to turn this around and be like maybe things aren't how they really seem they are, and they are exactly how they seem they are. But that whole holding back level, whereas the first time you actually see a ghost which is the witch on top of the cabinet it's bone showing it's It's like oh my god that was was really creepy yeah that totally devastated me i remember and then
3: much more like
2: the subtle stuff and then like there's actually a witch up there and she's like "Eh, it's, (laughs) it's one of the only times you see her and like the fact that like the movie has held it back so long when it shows it it's like it does hit. It's almost just it like, is. are they showing me this right now? I, I, it's so scary.
0: So much of this movie is, uh, due to, uh, uh, Lily Taylor playing the lead role Incredible. of the mom, who is both this just loving, engaging mom who has a solid relationship with her husband, who is played capably, if not a little absently, by Rod Livingston. I, I like him. Like, uh, a but I think is pretty. but is totally a loving and active mom for her way outsized, almost impossible to imagine handling family of yeah. gar- little girls, and and then her transfer to that point of being. This person who's so like attacked by these spirits specifically to becoming the source of them to becoming a possession in an exorcist movie towards the end, I thought her performance was astonishing in this movie. It's,
2: it's one, I one of them take my eyes off of her. It's yeah. one of the real strengths of the movie. Her and really the whole cast. I think Patrick Wilson and Vera Formiga are both incredible, and Ron Livingston's really good. But she's like the focal point. And like, and it's kind of a. Like, um, a rope-a-dope. Like, you don't see her being the... Like, once the first X starts, you don't see her being the focal point of it. A lot of it's focused on the kids. But once it's revealed that she's the true, like, um focus of this
0: like, You assume haunting. because of Possession movies it's going to be one of the... You assume yeah. it's going to be Joey King. Yeah. Who's the, the, the movie fools you into thinking that that's going to be the, the, the focal point.
2: Mm. And once it's her, it's really on the actress to carry that weight to be like, no, this is... Like, I'm, like, the focal point, like, and so clearly, like, really believe in that turn. And it's so astonishing. Like, it's so scary. She really carries it. It's it's really incredible.
3: Uh, a yeah, young... But the kids just a little bit more. Uh, I think, so, comparing this to Paranormal Activity 3, the two kids <laughs> in Paranormal Activity, I mean, they were good, right? But they felt yeah. like they were just, like, normal kids, awkward. Well, they're, the
0: camera, they're right? being filmed in a reality camera sort of sense. Yeah, so. right. So it fit... But these kids, and especially what's her name, Joey, Uh, Joey King, and then Mackenzie Foy, who has probably broken out more than anybody else here, who uh, was in the Twilight Saga uh, films and was uh, recently in that uh, Nutcracker movie, which is terrible, but it was (laughs) but it was a huge deal for a young actress, you know, playing the lead role in a Disney movie like that. Yeah, these kids blew me away.
3: Yeah, like rewatching this, incredible incredible things they were asked to do and sell, and I bought it
0: the whole way through. Yeah, I did too. Uh, And I get that the most amount of criticism, including that Patience has, is in that third act, But I think it's earned, and I think that's an important thing that it earns building towards that point. Where I remember seeing this in the theater, and I couldn't take it. I was so intense that I could barely take watching it. I was just just like, "It
1: was so hokey and cheesy and contrived." Well,
0: you know, it's scaring is just horror is just like comedy. You know, it's kind of it's kind of the
2: same. I agree with you, but almost I almost found it like a relief at the third, where shit gets so insane, and I was like, finally, it's just like. Nothing's creeping around the corner anymore, and the shit is just bug wild in the sand, and this is where we live at now. It's true. (laughs) Um, One final thing I'm going to say about this movie is, like, it was rated R... And if you watch this movie, there's no nudity, there's no fucks in it, there's oh, no gore. It's literally rated R for being scary.
0: It was one of the oh. first. I, I I can't remember. I read a thing. I can't remember how, what the exact number was, but they were saying it's the first film in like 25 years. It was rated R only because the Academy or the, the whatever it's called be, were like yeah, yeah, like, like we honestly couldn't tell you what to cut. It's just too frightening. The atmosphere. <laughs> it was yeah, it really was like, because if you amazing.
2: watch it, there's no nudity, there's no lewd language, there's not terribly gory. There's
0: not smoking. There's no smoking. There's barely any drinking. Yeah, it's, it's like, just like,
2: this movie, is rated it's R for scary. Being scary. <laughs> it's rated R. Like, it's so scary it's rated R, which is a true accomplishment, Like I think, because like there's a ton of those pg 13 horror movies that are way more lewd than this and like, way more shocking on oh, yeah. visual levels. But they don't create the same atmosphere and tension this movie does. And purely off of that tension, this movie was rated R, which is a true feat. There's I mean, so yeah, many
0: really moments guess. in this thing that even when it's now trying to be scary, I go god damn this is a well shot scene there's a scene when they're moving into the house where uh, the daughter like ducks under a couch Mm -hmm. as the movers are moving it in just perfectly timed with the point she's on the steps and then other people are coming down the stairs and other people come in the side I'm like God damn, this is an incredibly well-blocked-and-shot sequence. Yeah, one of the things
3: I was really impressed by re-watching this is how much James Wan cam- Wan's camera moves around mm-hmm. without you noticing that it's doing it. Like, it sells it without drawing attention to itself. So, like, the bed scene that Ellen was talking about earlier, in which she looks under the bed and the camera, like, flips around and does this whole crazy thing. Like, none of that seems over the top. It doesn't seem like it pulls you out of it. It totally sells the scene. And then... Partly because the production design, costume design, and takes place in the eighties, you're just sort of convinced that this is yeah. really happening. Yeah, that the very
2: that very flashy camera move is to establish like unease and not just be like, look what I can do with the camera. Yeah, exactly. it's like twisting with her as she looks up and like shows like and it twists with her as she rises to see behind the door and it sets this unease in you as a viewer and it has a purpose behind it. It's like those flashy camera moves are like. To serve a purpose, which yeah. is really
0: and awesome, and I want to end this just like the movie does, and saying, "I'm deeply impressed with the fact they set up to do a final scare, and did what the rest of the movie did so smartly. They don't deliver it; they let you imagine what happens in the next second with like looking into the the the, the, the rotating uh, the box mirror thing, and waiting for something to go, which every other movie in the last 30 years would have done and and it stops before anything happens and I was like
2: that was amazing. It's, it's kind of the perfect sum of this movie. But the scares come like a second before or after you expect it, or yeah. not at all. Yeah, and so it's really, really the perfect summation. Agreed.
0: Mis- well, our last film that we're talking about, which oh snap, which uh, Nick did not get to see. Sorry, it's guys. Okay. I Watch that one. That's all right. He yeah, went across the park. It was it was it was literally not him not wanting to. It was like a mistaken communication. Is Ghost Stories, a 2017 British horror film, which has been called by many critics, the best British horror film in, like, 20 years, and I don't disagree. I liked this
1: movie very much.
0: And weirdly, this is based on a stage play. uh, Directed and written by Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson. Andy Nyman plays the lead character in this film, who is the paranormal investigator, who uh, finds a connection... Uh, to the guy who was his influence, a guy from the 70s who contacts him and is like, hey, uh, I'm still alive, despite having mysteriously disappeared year- decades earlier, and I want to talk to you, who goes, you're wrong, you're full of shit, you're just a piece of shit, and everything you believe in is wrong, and I have three cases in this folder to show you that will prove that everything about your your atheistic skepticism is totally well, like not, you being an egotist.
1: That's actually not entirely right. It's um, the older uh, paranormal investigator is. He started out as a skeptic, and he's dying, and so he's like, "Okay, you're the same as me that I started out. Like you're being a super skeptic, and you're and you're not acknowledging." anything your worldview is minute and you don't have any you know sort of like your worldview is like tiny he's like i want just like me and just like how i was he's like i want you to investigate these three you know people that i couldn't prove were wrong
0: not to be fair He does flat out say, you're full shit, you're a piece of shit, everything about you is wrong and a lie, but But then he also wants to be... He does, in your defense, he does say... But I want you to prove that I'm wrong with everything I'm just yep. now telling you, yep. and show me that uh, that these cases aren't real.
1: There is only three cases I couldn't explain through a, a skeptical point of view that I couldn't, you know, explain through like psychological or scientific ways. Yeah, and so I want you to prove me wrong before I die.
0: And so he, like, the movie divided up in chapters, which feels very much like an anthology film, which I would argue is the most deceptively not. Actually, an anthology film ever made. Ooh, see,
2: I was argue. It's like one of the best like yeah, the yeah, Deception yeah. makes it one of the better anthologies. Well
0: no no I mean I, yeah I, yes absolutely okay. but at the same time it is this total like uh, all right so first off the framing of device the framing device for an anthology film is usually the worst quality of an anthology film. And this film. framing
1: device is the best. It
0: is the, yeah. the is the reason this film is as great as it
1: absolutely. is second best <laughs>
2: behind tell us from the
1: book. Where is it? <gasps> I love you, <laughs> um, Alex.
2: Second best. Where is this I love that one,
0: expands but yeah. into being
2: so,
1: Alan kisses. As this expands
0: into being not just an anthology ghost story film, but being a really kind of incredible meta art film about the nature of belief and all sorts of things, there's so much smart shit going through this movie. This is only the second time I saw it, rewatching it, and it's, by the way, at the end, super depressing. Like, I actually
1: thought the it end was is a true bummer. Of, I mean, I thought it was actually kind of nice. At you, the end. you were was,
0: fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you
2: You a wild
1: one. That's <laughs> not the first time I've heard that.
0: I love you, patience. But now I'm looking
2: at that you. That is such, it's such a dark ending. And he's <laughs> like, I think it was nice. I, I. I
1: our fans know this. Both, t-
0: both times I watch this, I walk out of it with kind of a sick feeling in my stomach. I'm like, oh, this film does not make me feel good. But my God, what a well-made film.
1: Uh, this movie is kind of a lot like uh, Shutter Island, I think. Or there's a uh, you, know- really? yeah,
2: well, you know what? I-, I agree with you there. were By you. the time the end gets there, you yeah. kind of want to watch it again immediately to be like, I want to see all those little... Cracks Little, and crevices yeah, yeah, yeah. that this that the end like reveals to you what we're watching there
1: yeah. and there are there is a lot of Easter eggs as you go through the movie that you're like holy shit I didn't see that before I mean you see it but you maybe not acknowledge it so there's um this movie is I guess we're just we're doing full well, spoiler. I mean, yeah, right? I mean this oh, okay. is this I is like don't this want to spoil year. I almost
0: don't want, like guys if you haven't seen this and you're listening through. Stop now, because this is one yeah. that it's really is good. well yeah. worth letting this play out for you, like, without any spoilers. It really, really is. So stop now if you have not seen Ghost Stories. This is not Ghost Story, which <laughs> is the Peter Straub a- adaptation from the 80s, which is n- mediocre.
1: <laughs> uh, well I mean it was a crazy I mean everyone loved it in the time but it was
0: okay yeah. the book is great
1: we're not here to talk we're about
0: not here to though. talk about that now. so
1: um so Andy Nyman plays Professor Goodman who is a skeptic uh, by all means and he um because his father was uh, Jewish and just really super traditional in his Jewish values to the point where it just alienated his son and daughter to where they didn't want to have anything to do with them. So he became a host of a television show that, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? That just, uh, like, that... that uh, uh, debunking. Debunked. Thank you. Debunked any sort of paranormal yeah. activity. We see a scene early on where he goes or, on with the
0: John Edwards yeah. type of guy, which is actually based on a real event that happened with a uh, 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 what's his name, the James Randi, who came on to it wasn't John Edwards' show, but to another major like, oh, I'm feeling now you this person where in your life is getting, talking to. Like, he was hid- getting headphones. Yeah, uh, yeah. like he had a hidden earpiece where people were telling him stuff mm-hmm. from the audience because
1: they would overhear people talking in the line it's as a- they were going in.
0: And I mean, it's a, oddly, for the rest of this film, that is deeply critical of this character, a very sympathetic beginning for him. That's true. Where you're like, yeah, fuck that guy. You know, not him, the guy doing yeah, the, 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 psych- the, the, the earpiece. The, the
1: proposed psychic. And so he goes to, you know, he's extremely skeptical. He goes to this other skeptic's, like, deathbed who actually inspired him. And this other skeptic's deathbed, he's like, you don't even know, like you don't even know, like you're you're You're,
0: you're so wrong you're
1: so wrong, here's three cases and also a prick. that I could never <laughs> prove and I want you to go and investigate these three cases so these three cases eventually um, sort of, kind of, well he starts to have experiences as it progresses, and then by the th- the end of the third case he's like, oh shit and then we realize
0: which makes the the three cases interesting is that his experiences as an investigator are almost abstract in the middle of them with dealing with these people, where he's having very odd experiences that are seemingly personal and unrelated to the bigger case.
2: Yeah, and I would the individual cases are very disconnected yeah. from like the arc that we're kind of experiencing. Like, um, by the end, there's, like, a little hints within each story that kind of correlate. There's Easter eggs. It's Easter eggs, but they're not, like, thematically um, well, I mean,
0: like, it's with- one of those films, like, it doesn't get every piece that's there to tie in together, but there's so many things that do that when it gets to its big surprise ending, it's like, oh, well, you can, you're looking in your brain back towards watching the rest of the film of all the things you saw, and you went, wait, how much of this was just putting those pieces together in a new, like, storyline. What's his name? Uh, Paul Whitehouse? Is that his name? The guy who played the teenage kid in the second segment. Yes.
1: Oh, my God. That's my favorite segment. I was just about to say the same exact thing. Like, he is such a phenomenal actor. Like, his... I mean, he's batshit insane, in 90% of this segment, and he's amazing. He just had a great
0: turn in the end of the fucking world on Netflix, which is getting a second, oh, second oh, season now, which is totally solid. Okay, fantastic. Like, I, and this had kind of come out around the same time that that first came out, and I was like, oh, that's that guy. And then you get Martin Freeman, of course, who oh. is like, like a legend from so many great the, things, including the, the, the original British version of The Office, of being... Uh, Dr. Watson and Sh- the British Sherlock and being uh, uh uh Bilbo Baggins and the Hobbit. I'm sorry, and he's a legend. Arthur Dent. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't uh, yeah, Arthur Dent. Yes, thank you. Yes, Arthur Dent in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is not a great adaptation. Mm-hmm. No, to be but fair. he's but the best part of it. He is the best part of it. But uh, I, I really love Freeman, despite... To all reports, he's kind of a prick. But is he? Uh, oh, no kidding. Yeah, I've always he's heard he's kind of. An kind of an, I've always heard he's kind of an. Actor. Yeah, whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I would love to believe I'm wrong, because you. He's one of those actors. You're like, man, I want to be your friend. <laughs> I want to go have a beer with you. But um then he gets drunk and slaps you for no reason. But he's <laughs> a, he's the third segment, and he's so much more than that third segment. When there's a turn where he gets to take on a bigger role in the sort of, I don't know whether to call it a metaphor or whatever it is in this, in this movie, he is so effective in a way I never would have suspected Martin Freeman being capable of playing. You rarely
2: see him eat up a screen and like really choose scenery. Like you never see him like overact, and I want to call it overacting because that almost sounds like a a negative thing, but he kind of is. I I mean, it's really awesome to see him go really big by the I, end of this movie I'm
0: not I'm not going to say he's like I, by this comparison I'm not saying yes he's like playing the devil cuz he's not but I can't help a comparison uh, compare him to Robert De Niro and Angel Heart it, it, in he's his arc towards the end of it yeah. where he's this arch figure yeah. where you're like whoa the guy who knows and is manipulating things but maybe he is maybe he isn't whatever like I I keep I'm dodging around this because Nick hasn't seen
2: it at, I'll and, leave the room. I'm leaving right and I'm
0: now. Going, no, no, no! It's no, fine. No, no, it's no. fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> you guys, you guys out there, I it's so
2: better. We don't fully reveal
0: it. I, sus- yeah, yeah. I suspect. It's
1: so new. We
0: are a full spoiler podcast, and I suspect most of our listeners have not actually seen this. This is on Hulu. If you have Hulu, you can watch it. It's so like wow! It's just mind bendy
2: It's really fun, and I I will say my one negative aspect of it. While I enjoy each of the individual segments of the anthology, they don't quite all connect to a full... It's like, there's this backstory and then there's the interesting little side stories we're watching, which are entertaining and scary on their own and fun. They don't all quite connect to a larger picture. The larger picture is awesome, the wraparound is awesome, each individual stories are awesome. Altogether it's not a completely cohesive mix. Having said that, it is never not entertaining. I mean, it's throughout the movie, you're you're engaged and enjoying. I mean,
0: you say that, and yet the same time, I'm like the very conceit of the film is like aspects of it would be involved, and the rest is just conjecture, right? So there's no reason that everything would have to be part of an earlier part of anything going on. You know, it's like I love that there's so many things that are but it's not like everything has to be i'm just baffled more than anything that this was a stage play i'm i would kill to go see this live Very which, by the way which, which by the way they still tour with doing this as a stage I play would... which is uh, they say 15 and up only no one under 15 is allowed cuz cool. they say it's just too frightening and and it is frightening. This is, uh, I mean, if the stage plays anything like this movie, it's fucking scary. Yeah. I was really scared by this movie at points, even in those points that are going with more of a traditional ghost story type of thing, like that whole first sequence where he's yeah, going gonna, through the haunted warehouse thing ask, What's your so.
2: least favorite of the three segments? we will take the wraparound now, but it's just the three individual That's ghost stories. Question. Well,
0: it's hard to judge it on because the, they're so different.
1: I would say my The the night watch sequence was probably my least favorite because I thought it was, although it was probably the creepiest and the more like traditional jump scare kind of thing, I thought that um, the kid in the second sequence where he so runs good. over the devil, his acting <laughs> is just so fucking phenomenal. And his craziness just takes it to that level. And then Martin Freeman, the end of that third sequence where he just uh, does what he does. Yeah. I don't want to give it but Yeah, yeah
2: and, and even in the telling of a story like yeah. with the haunted baby like, yeah, you rarely see, just- like, a ghost baby story, mm-hmm. and that, like, alone is really creepy. Um, And that middle story as well, like, where he runs over the devil, which is a really funny thing to it's often great. say. Like, it's um, great, but the-
1: his after effects, and it just his like... <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> what, I, what I love is, is, is that every story
0: goes further, as it goes along, it's further away yes. from what you expect. The first story is what you expect from a ghost anthology. Right? It's yeah. like more like, okay, this is what we we're like, we thought we were in for. It's like, uh, it's a haunted thing, haunted shit happened. Yeah. Good and, but this, typical. and then the second story, he's in this, talking to this guy, and there's something fucking weird going on in this house yeah. that is never
2: explained. One of the creepiest things I've seen in a movie in the past couple years is the shot of his parents washing the dishes. And they're, oh just, standing God, and and they're just standing right. by the sink. Like- it's such a jarring, still scary image. And by yeah. the
0: third one where they're playing it for a weird sort of comedy, which is mainly for the purpose of just throwing off the primary character from his beats of like, I don't know how to deal with this guy who is like constantly on his cell phone and he's like, we're out here... Sh- I don't know, supposedly shooting pigeons or something? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of the, the British countryside. It's a, such an odd, off-putting scenario for this character. The movie regularly does a great job of throwing this guy off of his like comfort zone that you, as an audience member, feel very much out of your comfort zone. And it delivers. Yeah, uh, it does. I, I think this is one of those great new movies that, so few people even know about.
2: Yeah, I think it's one that'll be like frequently discovered over the next like five years a dude with on streamings. Hulu. And, like the next, by the time next Halloween rolls around, next October, people will be talking. It'll about start it. popping up. It's like, oh, you gotta watch this. Oh, it's been oh on Hulu for a year, yeah, yeah. and um, and I'm excited for that. I, I'm excited for this movie to like gain some ground because it is a worthy like anthology ghost movie. I'm
0: more excited for a uh, theatrical tour because I really want to see this and I how do. they pulled I'm this off in it, person. The theater. I can't believe this is a theatrical thing where people walked out of going, that was terrifying. <laughs> where They were like, that theatrical performance was so scary. I was like,
2: how did you do that? I want to know. Stay tuned for the... Del- deliberations of Doom Theatrical Review.
0: Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we'll be doing this and a Christmas Carol.
1: I know, I know. Uh, so, but on that note, I mean, we would like to hear some input of what you would like to see for our next episodes. We've got some, we got witches, we got, we could do alien horror. Yeah, because we did sci-fi species, horror, but we didn't species do alien two, horror.
2: species three. Oh, Shut up. Oh, and, and now
1: we we started talking about uh, bug horror. Oh, uh, we
0: talked about giant monsters.
1: Giant monsters. We we, like we could go full Cloverfield instead sequels.
0: To. To, no, two, we three, we've four, talked four, five, about six. it for a while. We actually we did when talk we originally about talked about it, we were like. Let's not do sequels. Let's do... Thirds. Thirds. I want to do... Oh, let's like do a number two, a number third three, film. a number
2: four, a number five, a <laughs> number six. Nope, that's episode. what I'm saying. That like second one. Yeah. And what happens on the third one. Like. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I mean, we, I mean, there's a, a million things. So we would like to hear from you, Doomers, and and hear what you wanna. wanted.
0: Oh, let, me, let me say one last thing about ghost stories, though. Uh, The marketing, which which I get what they were doing, but I feel like it didn't work to their advantage. They misspelled intentionally the title of the film as Ghost S-T-O-R-E-I-S. Because the tagline of the film is "the brain sees what it wants to see," which oh, falls into that whole thing. And yeah, I was like, that was probably not in your best interest. <laughs> but like for a little film, if it'd been a, if it'd been a huge Hollywood film, yeah. I would have seen it. But.
1: Cerebral horror, but I think we already did our Cronenberg episode. Uh, so whatever. yeah, that's all
0: the cerebral horror. <laughs> this,
1: so. Body horror.
0: But we want to hear you guys from you guys, uh the listeners. What is it you would like specifically to hear us do? Did you say-
1: Pacifically?
0: Not Pacific and Rim, Atlanticic that's Netflix. for sure. Yeah. No, not <laughs> Pacifically. I'm more Atlantically. You know, yes, I'm more caribbean and Elite. Yeah, I Animal just made
1: that up finale. right now. Crib and Elite.
0: We are interested it like in. We are okay, interested in to hear know. what you guys have to say, and uh, what you want to hear us talk about. And we will—we're sluts. We'll do whatever we don't. We're care we're yet. basically
1: whores right now, especially Chris. Like he'll bend over for anyone. It's true. <laughs> oh, if it's you true. are a subscriber, hey, hey, brown coat, bubble, or more, my ass and- and- is
0: so loose. I just fart without meaning to. It's oh God! Man, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, especially if you're like, was what what's above a red shirt is above a brown coat.
0: Like, yeah, red he'll shirt. just open up wide for red
1: coat. Red shirts.
0: Brand, wait, what is it? Red, red shirt. Red shirt brown coat, Red shirt. Time Lord Jedi.
1: Okay, he'll open up wide for a Jedi.
0: Oh, for a Jedi, I'll suck your dick. (laughs) I will come to your house. We
1: will will fly to you.
0: (laughs) Assuming you pay for the flight. (laughs) And also, none of this is true. (laughs) My wife might be a little disturbed by me setting out these rules. she would be like,
2: no! It's fine. There's going to be an edit in with her coming no, in.
0: No, no, she'll be like, yes, we'll do that, but only if you pay for me to come and watch.
2: <laughs> oh, I <laughs> see. We are a yeah. unit. Uh, <laughs>
0: that is it. Not at all. The, this the, the, this uh, ghost episode, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about what you most would like to hear us tackle next. And maybe we'll go with you guys. Maybe we won't. But either way, we got a lot of stuff in the butt. uh, In the butt? Yeah, in the butt. What? what?
2: (laughs) We ate some Taco Bell in the break. We got a lot of stuff in the butt. Yeah. (laughs) we (laughs) got So much butt stuff. (laughs)